And we're back with another episode of A Different Podcast with me, your host, Dwayne Duke, as we explore NBC's hit sitcom, uh, A Different World. Uh, this week, my guest is uh, Jasmine Ellis. Her brand new podcast, Rhythm and Bay, is available streaming on all apps like Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple. And her Dry Bar special, uh, Nobody's Queen, is available for free on the Dry Bar comedy app. Put your hands together for Jasmine Ellis. Hey! I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. Thanks for doing this. All right. So I like to get, uh, you know, when, I, when it's anyone's first time, I like to get to know them and uh, learn a little bit more about them and their experience with the show. So tell us, where'd you go to college and like, what was your major? So that's a good question. I went to Midwestern State University, which is unfortunately not an HBCU. I, uh, I was one of those people who wasn't even sure they were going to go to college. Like... I I don't know. I just wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do right before I went. So I went to went to the school my cousin got into because I was like, oh, I'll know somebody here. So I went to Midwestern State, and my major was communications and broadcasting. Okay, I I'm meeting a lot of comm majors. I also was a comm major the first time around, and now I'm back in school for screenwriting because you got to do something cool. in the pandy, right? <laughs> Hey, good for you for like going to school for it. Cause I've been trying my hand at screenwriting and I'm just like, oh God, can can COVID go away so I can just go back to being a standup? I don't, I just, I need someone else. I just, I'm funny, but I don't like being in front of a computer type, type typing all day. It is not my ministry. Like I like to entertain with my voice and my face. And I've, I hate, I love to create, I hate to write. So good for you for like going back to school and getting the fundamentals on that. That's awesome. Um, so we're, we're in season two of a different world now. So we're, we're exploring a little bit more of the, of the campus of Hillman and, uh, a little bit more of the characters of Hillman. Um, where on campus do you think you would have hung out and with who, like which characters? That is so funny to think about, which is why when I found out you were doing this podcast, I got excited because I feel like, you know, when they do those things where people are like, which fictional characters represent you? Mm-hmm. I feel like I am like a, like in, in astrology sense, I would be like a Whitley Sun <laughs> with, with, you get what I'm saying? With a Freddie Rising. Because like, I, I feel like those are the two things that like really shape who I am. Those two women are like, and they seem like polar opposites on the show. But I feel like I see myself in both of them so much. So I, I don't know. I would I would be protesting with Freddie, but I would also have joined, you know, I think they didn't say AKA, but I, I'm, an, I'm a real life AKA, Alpha Kappa Alpha. And I feel like there was a, what'd you say? Congratulations on your vice president. Of course. We love it. We love it. Um, and I forgot what the fake... There was like a, a non, it was like, I think it was Kappa 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 or something, not, maybe not KKK. It was like Kappa Alpha Alpha or something. They used some of the letters and the colors were pink and green. And of course, Whitley of all people was a part of it. Mm-hmm. So it was clear. So I definitely would have pledged. And then I also would have still been like very active in like social justice movements on campus. I would have been, I would have been all over the student union for either a step show or a protest, but I would have been in that student union all the time because that's where I was when I was in college. I just like, I was constantly putting on events. I was part of the programming committee. Like that was, 
that's what I cared about more than class. I was the person who was putting together all these different events and having speakers come to the school. That's actually what got me into comedy because I was in charge of picking out the comedians that would come to the school. Yeah, you did. And, uh, I see you uh, advertise on NACA flyers a lot. Yeah, I um, that's so that's my thing now. Actually, is I am a NACA comedian. I've done, God, fifty or sixty comedian the comedy shows in the pandemic, and I've been doing like most of them via Zoom, mm-hmm. which has been weird and fun. Which is why like I have like a full on setup. Like this is the this is the light version of it. Usually I have like a glitter backdrop, a microphone. I just kind of created the Jasmine Ellis at home comedy club because that's what. I'm a firm believer if you're going to do something, do it right. So I need to create what feels like a show. And like, you know, usually these little Funko dolls are not up in the backdrop. So yeah. Uh, But yeah, definitely. I would have been all over the student union. That's what I've been doing. Awesome. Okay. Uh, So uh, these two episodes, we're talking about season two, episodes three and four. Uh, Episode three, Some Enchanted Late Afternoon, directed by Debbie Allen, written by Rob Edwards. Original air date, October 27, 1988. Uh, Walter asks Jalisa on a date. She refuses because she is involved in a long-distance relationship. She finally agrees to join him for dinner with the stipulation that they are just friends. Jalisa has a great time with Walter and even shares a slow dance with him. However, she still refuses to break up with her boyfriend. Dwayne and Ron start a wake-up service. And then episode four... Dream Lover, again directed by Debbie Allen, uh, written by Alicia Marie Stutt, Schutt, Schutt, uh, air date November 3rd, 1988. Uh, during a party celebrating the end of midterms, Dwayne finds himself attracted to Whitley. She agrees to dance with him but runs out after he grabs her butt. Whitley is disturbed by an erotic dream about Dwayne, for which Kim teases her merciless, mercilessly. Uh, Whitley daydreams about Dwayne in the computer lab after he helps her retrieve a file. She kisses him without thinking. Dwayne believes that Whitley is the secret admirer who sent him brownies in a poetry book. He becomes convinced that she wants him. Kim saves him from humiliation by revealing Freddie sent the gifts. Whitley confesses to Letty that she is a virgin. Letty assures her that she has no reason to be embarrassed and says that she shouldn't read too much in her dreams. When when Freddie offers to bow out, Whitley melodramatically declares that she will step aside and let Freddie have Dwayne. These are... (laughs) These are early season two episodes, but they are, they're hard hitters. We're getting, we're, a little disclaimer, this is the first episode of season two that I'm getting to record. So like, it was, it was good to get back into the groove of the series that I remember. Um, Let's start with, uh, with season, with season two, episode three, Some Enchanted Late Afternoon. Uh, It's fun to see Walter and Jaleesa court each other and like, the beginning of Jalisa getting to be like a sexual person again and like dating and having fun. It is funny because I was watching it and I was like, I have fought as Sinbad as a grown man my whole life, mm-hmm. but I'm 31 years old. So I'm watching this and I'm like, I think as an audience member, I'm supposed to perceive him as younger than me. I'm supposed to think that he's like 24. And I'm like, it's weird because of the fashion at the time because everybody had a mustache. Like it was totally okay to have a mustache, no goatee a la Ron. So like you would see that all the time. And when I think of a, a, a man who has a mustache and no goatee, that is somebody's daddy. That is a grown <laughs> ass man. 
So it is weird. And then they got on these Kooji sweaters with jeans. It just, in my mind, that is grown man attire. So I can't believe that I'm looking at a grad student and an undergrad. You know, we're supposed to perceive Ron as like 19. Sinbad is like maybe 24. And I'm just like, I oh, think, I guess I think this Sinbad's is... closer to 30. So like 27, 28 range. Because he's, okay. he's around Jaleesa's age. Because he did go work between undergrad and graduate. Oh, okay. And then Jaleesa is in grad school. So they're like, they're definitely older. And I remember like, uh, I think a part of season one, a story arc was like the Jaleesa wasn't supposed to have a roommate, but the halls were like overstuffed or something like that. Yeah. So season Um, one, Jaleesa moved into the dorm because um, after returning to school from her divorce at age 26, she didn't get to experience everything she wanted to. So she moved from like the upper, like non-traditional dorms down to uh, live with Denise and become, you know, a main character of the series. I'm always curious if um, maybe to help sell a different world, because at the time, I can't think of another show that focused on college students. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think there was even a whole lot about, um, we weren't at that, like, other than like happy days, there weren't like a lot of shows that were focused on the kids, not the parents. Like it was always like family shows that happen to have teenagers in them. Mm-hmm. But like now when you look at TV, there's so much TV about young people that it's like, they make you feel like you're ancient when you're 22, you know? And I was thinking, I'm wondering if, you know, Cos- the Cosby show is the biggest show on the planet and you're NBC and you're like, I need the Cosby show audience to transfer to the different world audience. A lot of older people like the Cosby show. How do we get them to watch a show about young people? Will you ground two of your main characters and make them in their later 20s, which I feel like in the 80s, being in your late 20s was much more of an adult than being in your late 20s now. Like the expectation to have a job and multiple kids and own property, like, ooh, ooh, sorry. The (laughs) very idea, the audacity. I had to pop everything. I'm sorry. My neck was like, no, let's let's stop this. Um, but yeah, like the it's a different it was a different world at that time. Ha ha. I, I did the I did the name of the show in there. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very cute to see the two of them interacting and his courtship of them. There was very cute. Um, it was also fun because Whitley and Freddie went out of their way to offer their two cents on what grown ass Jaleesa should be doing with her love life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitley was very pro Eric. She wanted Jaleesa to keep seeing her suitor from the long distance relationship. And then I believe Whitley, not Whitley, Freddie. And then I believe Whitley refers to Sinbad. What is Sinbad's character's name? I'm so sorry. Walter. Walter. She calls Walter a flabby Romeo, which I thought was cute and just wonderfully shady and very, very, very Whitley. So I liked it a lot. I thought it was a cute episode. Would you think Whitley's it's getting a, um, some good lines lately? And the, the last few episodes that I'm doing, um, end of season one, beginning of season two, she's she's really stepping into the limelight, becoming a character, and it's it's fun. That's always fun to see how like when a show progresses and they realize like who the audience is responding to. Mm-hmm. So like, let's give this person more of the jokes. Cause like Whitley kind of becomes like this rapid fire, almost Blanche like um, from Golden Girls, like joke machine towards the latter seasons, which yeah. is a lot of fun to watch. Um, what else um, did I like? Oh, the wake up service part was hilarious. I love that. I mean, there there's that great physical bit where, and there's not a whole lot of lines in it. It's basically all just pantomime and silent because you know they're not trying to wake up Whitley and Kim won't wake up and and you get these four characters moving around moving around Whitley's bedroom and doing so much and there's so much great physical comedy there and I love Whitley getting up still has the shades over her eyes and she walks blind over turns off the alarm and then she does that stop and that half step back goes where is the extra money I paid you to not wake me up 
And that is, that's such a, like, Jasmine Guy nails that scene. And, I mean, with Debbie Allen being a choreographer and having taken helm of the show by this point, having changed so much, I know she had a lot to do with, you know, just figuring out the different beats of how that was going to work. I love funny, silent scenes. Like, some of my best, like, favorite things are, like, I know I Love Lucy had a lot of situations like that where, like, someone would have to be quiet, so they're, like, doing ridiculous stuff. All right, do you watch, did you watch Frasier at all? Uh, yeah, I watched the entire series of Frasier. Um... Do you and remember the one where there's, like an there's an entire like 10 minute sequence, maybe it's not that long, with Niles and he like accidentally burns down part of Frazier's apartment and there's not a single word spoken. It is one of the funniest TV moments ever. I just, I love I stuff think like of that. that. But um, there's a lot of things that happen when Frazier's on the air at the studio and people are running around in the background and like just <laughs> where they are, you can't hear them or see them. Um, I was watching, I was on, I don't know, TikTok or Tumblr or one, one of the things for children recently. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I hate that I have to do more than tweet. <laughs> uh, and I think everyone has their favorite yeah. social media and the rest are just like the redheaded stepchildren that they have to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, okay, I brought you into my house, but like, can you just over there? Uh, <laughs> but they bring up community and how there there's entire storylines, entire arcs that like develop in the background. There's an episode where, um, and I'm gonna butcher his name because I didn't really watch Community. Um, Ahmed, Abed, uh, he yeah, he meets a couple in the background and she's pregnant or he meets them at their wedding day and he ruins that and then she's pregnant and she gives birth and all this happens while they're telling a, telling a very boring story in the foreground you know just a it's just your day-to-day -day story in the foreground but all this happens in the background and like you can watch things evolve and it's it's fun um yeah so you get Jalisa <laughs> and Walter on the date and you know it's very adult it's an adult date like like you haven't really seen on the series up to this point and it's foreshadowing what their relationship is. Uh, we didn't get as much Letty as I would like, but you do get to see Letty as a student. Like she's carrying books coming from class, which is always interesting. Like in this rewatch, I'm realizing that they did a lot of just like subtle things. Like, oh, I like not saying, oh, I'm coming back from class, but like having books in her hand, she's coming back from class. Uh, that is cool. See, and the funny thing is, I have not, this is the first time I've revisited a different world in years. Like, I know it's available, but I haven't watched it since, like, I was a kid and it was on in syndication all the time. Mm -hmm. So I remember these episodes, like, way out of order, but I remember, like, certain moments, and I did not remember the character Letty at all. Like, I completely did, I was like, who's this? older woman is she a dean is she a teacher and then i pieced together she was like an older student there was this great uh part was it is it episode four when she's playing the piano am i jumping ahead should i stop uh no no it's fine we'll, we'll, we'll get there but yeah i believe she i think, believe it's four um and whitley goes so much a different world in the past two days so like oh, things are starting to blend together again she's like it's very admirable that you're taking up piano in your late age and i'm like you little shady bitch if you don't leave this woman alone and let her learn to play piano <laughs> no one she knows she's mature whitley go sit your ass down yeah uh whitley always has something delightful to say at first and then and usually letty will just be like what do you want <laughs> um i think i think that's a good way to to get into dream lover i picked this episode because you said you said specifically when I when I was like reaching out for people to to do the podcast, 
that you were interested in doing a uh, Whitley and Freddy episode or anything that had to do with both Whitley and Freddy. And early in the season, I mean, we're still developing Freddy as a character. Cree Summer is fantastic, but, like, she's still developing the character. And she has this huge crush on Dwayne, which is... I think she's the only woman on the series outside of, like, Kinu and Whitley who are just like, yeah, no, Dwayne's my man. <laughs> I love that. Which is funny because, I again, when you watch it all out of order, you completely forget these things. So I'm like, Whitley liked Dwayne? Not Whitley, sorry. Freddie liked Dwayne? Like, it doesn't, like, compute in my brain because I know who she ends up with. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I could see that. They actually kind of, in the beginning of the series, when all we know about them is they're more studious, bookish, and kind of nerdy, the mm-hmm. two of them make obvious sense. But that's one of my favorite things sitcoms do is they kind of show off what would it be like if these more obvious people were together and then they do our opposites attract. And that's always it's uh, it's more fun. Like yeah. Whitley and Dwayne not liking each other in the front is great. It's just good TV. Uh, Whitley was like annoyed by Dwayne very much so, which is why her being embarrassed to have had a sex dream about him is uh, it's just adorable. It was really cute. I like the moment where Kim and Whitley are just standing off to the side and this, this man comes over and, you know, he's not a bad looking man. He, he's tall. He's, he's tall. He's a student. He's there. He, he comes over and he, he doesn't even say anything rude. He just asks to dance and Whitley's just like, now. And, and then Dwayne comes over and she's like, oh, shove it. Let's dance. And it was like, okay, that was a weird jump that we just made. But, <laughs> Did like, you notice in the background of that dancing, there's this tall guy who looks exactly like Tony Hinchcliffe, but black. There is a, <laughs> I should have screenshotted it. I am going to go back and record this. There is an African-American Tony Hinchcliffe in the back. Just get And He's like, right. He's in the background, the whole dance scene. And uh-huh. he like, he's, you know, my favorite thing in the world is when I watch old shows and I see extra extras. Yeah. I feel like back then people were like, if I'm just in the frame enough, I'm going to get discovered. So there's always an extra who follows the camera. The show is famous for characters who are like, or famous for, uh, they they filmed it sort of like a play. So like everything that happens in one scene and one location is all together. So you there are other episodes where you will see the story move across the room, but people just have to stay on set. It wasn't like oh my scene's over, I get to leave. They they were just on set, and you can you can see them all. I am actually skipping to the dance right now. On I've got a different world up in the background, and I'm just uh-huh. I'm just hoping to, to catch a glimpse of it. Uh, that's Dwayne and Ron. Do you yeah. see Black Tony Hinchcliffe right behind Ron? Do you see him? Uh, yeah, kind of. I <laughs> okay. I I see it. I see what you mean. I, <laughs> you see what I mean. <laughs> um. I think this moment where where Dwayne initially, you know, puts his hands on Whitley, it was like, this doesn't, just of what I know of these two characters, this, none of this tracks on what, what they would have done, but. I was kind of disappointed to see, like, all around nice guy Dwayne Wade act like this. I was, I was disappointed that he would just jump and not even, get, I mean, it was a cute moment, but I think they didn't have any established um, you know, consent amongst the two of them. They've never kissed. They've never touched in any other way. What makes you think you can just grab her ass? It was it was a disappointment on his side. I'm surprised. And also, too, I feel like he had no consequence and didn't even really apologize. So maybe that just kind of speaks to the time and, like, the liberties men felt with women's bodies because he didn't, 
he was like, oh, my bad. I guess I guess you're not into ass grabbing dancing. That's the other part of the dance. I guess I misread. Um, part of me, like when I see it, um, in the back of my head, I'm playing Too Close. You, you remember that song by Next, Too Close? <laughs> uh, and if you just slow it down and put that song right, put the chorus of that song right over this moment, you're like, okay. Um, someone chubbed up, someone grabbed someone slightly inappropriate, and she was like, I am not this kind of lady, sir. What are you... <laughs> You're coming in hot and heavy at me, man. And then um, the next the next scene, of course, is her, her and Kim discussing the dreams, and and it's, lo- it's lovely that Kim is so much younger, but so much more worldly, so much, you know more brash she's because kim's a freshman and at this point whitley is a late sophomore early junior i didn't really wondering if there was an age gap there okay thank you for explaining that okay yeah so because whitley this would have been whitley's third year at the school so she's probably you know she's a year wise a junior but her credits wise maybe a sophomore maybe a junior they never really get into whitney's with whitney whitley's I, I do this all the time. Just like, it's an L, not an N. <laughs> I never really get into where she is. Um, she's teased mercilessly. Uh, and then we move over to Jaleesa and Freddie. And Jaleesa comes in and she's tired. And she's just like, I'm too tired. I, like, midterms kicked her butt. And she just wants to lay down. But now uh, Freddie and Kim have this conversation about whitley's sex dreams and what it possibly mean and freddie's heartbroken and she decides to make a play for Dwayne. so she bakes and she buys it and she gives him a book of poetry and just i wanted to jump out of my seat i was like no you can't go baking for men that don't like you don't do you not never ever put anything in the oven for someone who does not if you have not been introduced to his mama, do not provide food for him. That is the worst thing. I, I'm a for you know, it took me. Do you want to hear an embarrassing ass college story? Do we have time? Okay. So for a sophomore year of college, I was dating this, uh, this football player. And when I say dating, we were in that like long talking phase. I feel like in college, my age group went through this thing where no one ever wanted to call anyone their boyfriend or girlfriend, but they you're would talk until you're together. Yeah. And yeah, they would talk until someone got pregnant and then they were dating. It was stupid. It was so stupid. And I had been talking to this dude for like six months and Valentine's Day is around the corner. I'm over at his house. We're talking. And I was like, hey, so what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? And he goes, oh, well, I'm not really into Valentine's. Of course, niggas ain't into Valentine's. It's not about you. But <laughs> I'm I'm 19 or 21. I'm 21 or something. I'm, I'm young. And he's like, I'm not into Valentine's Day. And I'm like, well, I am. And it's really special to me. And I like, I think it's important to show people you love them, you know, and I always do things for people I care about. And he's like, that's really cool. I respect that. I think that's great. And I was like, you know, and I expect people who care about me to do things for me. He's like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. So I walk away from that conversation thinking you're going to do something for me. Mm-hmm. No, he asked me what I'm doing. Feb- he asked me what I'm doing on Friday. Friday's February 14th. I'm going to come by. He says, yeah, come by the house. You, we'll have a good time. I get there. I'm dressed up. I spend the entire day making him chocolate covered strawberries and brownies from scratch. And the brownies I got, this is like out of this before Amazon. So if you had a crazy idea, you just had to figure out a way. Mm. I got a knife out and carved the brownies into the shape of little jerseys and then put his football number and his last name on the little jersey brownies. And then I made the chocolate covered strawberries look like little footballs. 
And I had a whole plate of that and I was ready to come over. I figured, you know, this is nice, but I didn't spend a lot of money. So this isn't that much effort. And I get there and he opens the door in like sweatpants, like the full on <laughs> basketball shirt, you know, like the, the fuck uniform, like the tank yeah, top, no, the no, basketball I'm just, shorts. I'm just around the, the, XP- around the house today. Yes. But- and I was like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. And he's like, oh, cool. And I was like, and I was like, these are for you. And he's like, oh, man, that's nice. And I was like. <laughs> I, <laughs> look at me. Look. And, and, and he's like, and what's up? And he's like, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what's up? What's up? I'm like, and what about me? And he's like, oh, um, I rented some movies. You want to watch Players Club? No. And- <laughs> Not Players Club. Never Players Club. I said, you know what? You can just watch Players Club by yourself. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. And I like walked out of there and I had on heels and I I slipped. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Did you take the brownies back? No. No, I just left the brownies. I was so pissed and I slipped on some ice and like literally like cut the back of my head and had my best friend live down the hall from him. So I like got up, crawled on my hands and knees, was bleeding and knocked on her door and like interrupted her Valentine's Day. And she was like, why aren't you with Brandon? And I was like, he don't love me. He never loved me. And her and her boyfriend had to like bandage me up and they were trying to figure out if they should take me to the ER or not. And I'm just bleeding out of my head while this dude is eating some strawberries. I loved him. And God, oh, my God. What an embarrassment. What? (laughs) Just the way. So, like, to me, cooking for someone, baking for someone is freaking sacred. And I was just like, I was like, no, Freddie, no. (laughs) Jaleesa, why didn't you talk her out of this? Like, this was a mistake. Yeah, oh, so I, I felt a little Freddie. Jaleesa is divorced, although Jaleesa is half dating a, a grown ass man and dating a man back in New Jersey all at once. Um, <laughs> she's in a different space. Um, the Valentine, I believe this season does have a Valentine's Day episode coming up. Let me check real fast. Uh, oh yeah, there is. There's a big Valentine's Day episode with. Uh, with breakups and makeups on all that is coming us soon. Um, <laughs> nice. I just, so, I thought it was so funny when they get to the scene in the computer lab and he is instantly assumes, like he's, doesn't he like talk to you just a completely, there's like a, a girl I've never seen before that he interrogates and asks if she gave him a present and then goes over to Whitley. It's just, <laughs> and Whitley's dream sequence here is so fun, by the way. I love that. Uh, they they usually don't do a whole lot of flights of fancy like this, but in this instance, it works and it works well. Uh, was this one that was directed by Debbie Allen as well? Yeah, so Debbie Allen directed all but I think one, maybe two episodes of season two. Because uh, when she took over, oh no, she directed the entirety of season two. So when she when she joined the production team, the as a director and producer, she really work the series like she directs most of the series from here on out actually oh okay because this scene had like a little mini dance number in there when when uh when whitley has that dream sequence and she jumps into his arms and he does like a perfect you know ballroom style lift because for a second i didn't know it was a dream and then i was like oh she dreaming there ain't no way he can just magically lift her like that and knows what's going on right um we get into you know we get into the the dream moment and it's a real 
some there are some parts of the show that's like so modern and like timeless and and like there are things that they talk about you're like oh that's happening right now this will always make sense and there's things where like Whitley doesn't know how to use a computer and she's angry at computers and you're like oh yeah this is 1988 (laughs) those computers were like they looked huge it was like that dark green with the light green on top of it. Like, man, those computers, it always looked like the words were lightly vibrating when you would look at them long enough. Like, right. what, a, what a different time. And she was like, I can't type all this again. I can't. And it's like, oh, this doesn't autosave. Like, she really is screwed. This is a terrifying feeling right here. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've lost. Oh, back when I was in college the first time, I... Um, I had a project rendering once and it stopped rendering. Like I, I was like, oh, I've got four hours left to render. I will go do this other thing. I had a friend in the lab. I was like, hey, don't let anyone use this computer. It's it's finishing this one project. Uh, it's like my midterm or my final or just like a huge project. I left. I think I went to class, got lunch, came back, and um, it had stopped rendering and it had lost the file. And I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm dropping out. <laughs> These kids will never, they don't know nothing about rendering. They don't know about buffering. They don't know the, they don't know about the stress of trying to print your shit and you need to print two pages, but then some nursing student student is in there printing a whole textbook. And yes, your little two page article is about to get lost in between the pages of how to do open heart surgery or whatever it is they just printed and they don't give a shit. They take every page off the printer and run the fuck out of there. Like in Midwestern, we had one computer lab that had, I want to say 10 computers. That was it. And 10 computers and two printers for the entire university. So if you played your cards wrong, you were in there fighting with everyone. I mean, every freshman got themselves a printer in the beginning and then like lost the cord for it. It was in the student union later. But, oh, the stress of having to print things and rendering and, oh, saving fi- and hoping to God it's on the damn flash drive when it's not like <laughs> oh sending an know. email with the wrong with the wrong title of your paper or your project like sending an email while still having the title that you were just working on you're you're like the, the it's 3 a.m fuck this title <laughs> for, and that's the one you sit in you're like well I guess I can't ever go look at that professor again Oh, man. I remember I had a professor who would lock the door, like, exactly. The class started at 10, 10 o'clock. And he said, the day of the final, you absolutely need to be on time. Because if you're not on time, I won't take your your final. And I was late. It was, like, five minutes after, and I was late. And I sat there the entire hour and waited for him. And I pleaded with, like, I came up to him afterwards and I was like, I understand your policy. I know you said you would not accept late work whatsoever. I understand that I'm going to have to repeat this course, but I want more than anything. I don't know why I was like, I want more than anything to be a journalist and I'm going to make it. So I'm going to take this course again. And if you wouldn't mind looking over this just to tell me what I did so I have an understanding of how to do this next semester, that would be great. And he said, you know, I really appreciate you for taking the time to explain all that. And I'm, I'm going to do you a huge favor. And you can't ever tell anyone this, but I'm still going to take your work. And I said, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. This man is doing me a favor. He's going to take my work late. He, he took everyone's me... work late. No, no. He only took mine, but he took off 50%. So he wrote 95 excellent work late, 45 <laughs> I got a 45 on the final and it was enough to pass. But I wouldn't like I got a D in the class because I had a 45 on the final and it was like most of your grade. And like luckily I had an A in the class. Like I was a good student. And he was like, I'm gonna do you a favor and lightly fail you. Like so it was like, Wow, he 
I mean, he did you a fa- uh, he did a favor. I don't know. If it, <laughs> I don't know if it was a favor for you, but he did a favor. Oh man, like only only Doctor Cerno could make uh, special treatment still feel like a kick in the ass. Like I was like, ooh, it's so good to be your favorite. <laughs> but he, but you remember that man to this day. Oh my goodness, um, he, he didn't play, and life doesn't care about your intentions; it cares about your results. All right. Yes, you intended to be on time, but you weren't. <laughs> I mean, and it sucks because you turned in an A paper. That was the thing. That was the thing. It was a 90. That was the, and he, he wasn't someone who just gave people A's. Like you had to earn them. So it was, it was very funny to know that I got like that. Like it was my, my renaissance. Like it was, it was just like my greatness. I don't know. Oh man. Okay. So we, we move along a little bit. Uh, The whole conversation, the whole conversation between Whitley and, Letty, where she admits to being a virgin with this convoluted uh, metaphor about canoeing. And it's like, it's so nice. And in that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Whitley is still like, yeah, she's an adult, but she's still like 19, 20, somewhere in there. Like, she hasn't quite turned 21 yet. She's, you know, she's an adult in the sense that, yeah, she is legally an adult, but she is very much still someone's child she's very much still like just looking for guidance and she got it she got it from from letty in this moment and mary alice plays the screen plays this role beautifully that's nice i i like i said i completely forgotten about this character and it's funny because in those later seasons like um whitley kind of becomes the de facto wise one and often her wisdom is uh, not the best, but she comes. She becomes the person everyone comes to. So it was funny to see like who she used to come to for uh, for advice and everything. And the canoeing metaphor is hilarious. Uh, I I appreciated that a lot. It was a good scene. I liked that scene a lot. And then of course we end the episode with this beautiful moment between. I mean, obviously Whitley dramatically says she you know she steps out of the way so that Freddie can go after Dwayne. And then Freddie and Dwayne have this cute little date. And even on their little date, you're like, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel romantic. This feels like, like the start of a friendship. But uh, as Dwayne gets up to walk off to get drinks, you can just see Freddie rocking in her seat with, with the celebration. You're like, he can see you. <laughs> he is in the room. If he even half like looks back or if the top of his glasses works at all, he saw that. That is one of the best things about Freddie as a person is the way that they balance um, like what later becomes a true revolutionary with just a spaz, just a weird little quirky spaz who loves everyone and loves everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's just, she's the best. I love Whitley so, no Whitley, sorry, Freddie so much. She's, uh, she's just a lot of fun. You can just tell that she's like, it's, it's like it should be a fish out of water situation for her, but I think she's probably been awkward her whole life. So nothing's like everything's the same amount of awkward. She's just she's a fun character. I, I like Freddie a lot. Okay, um, I have asked I asked everyone this their first time on the podcast. Um, which version of the theme song is your favorite? Oh, um, oh, that's hard. I don't know. I think I kind of like the slow down one. Is that the the first one? First one with, with Phoebe Snow. That's my personal favorite because uh, it feels sort of like a grandmother's hug. No, <laughs> like... uh, my parents love me. Wait, okay. What what version of the theme song played 
on this episode that we watched today. Was that not the first season? That was not the so first one? This one, for seasons two through five, there's the Aretha Franklin version. Season six has Boys to Men, and season one has Phoebe Snow. Okay, then I like the Aretha Franklin version. Ah. The Boys to Men one is what I think of as a sped up one. Mm-hmm. So it like accelerates season by season. I definitely, it's the Aretha Franklin one that does it for me. That's the one. Um, the the old one one's good. It's just a little too, uh, a little too twangy for me. It sounds it sounds like barbecue sauce being made slowly. Like it's right? not. <laughs> it's a little too. I sweaty. like that, but that's a positive for me. <laughs> okay, it's it gets you in a good space. That's good. That makes sense. I think I, I think uh, Aretha brings something to it. Like kind of like a. It makes you think of when an older person is telling you, like, "I'm proud of you. I'm watching you, but I'm proud of you." Like that's how you feel. I don't know. I like that feeling. Mm-hmm. I. I, I like that. Um, so as we, this is part of the episode where we're just talk about the series in general. Um, are there any moments in the series coming or going forward that you're like looking forward to revisiting? Yes. Um, I think I definitely want to revisit the sorority episode, especially with like uh, my feelings on it as a person who's actually been through the sorority process. That's always fun to see the way it's depicted on screen versus how it actually goes. I recently like just rewatched the episode of the Parkers where they join a sorority and like the episode of sister sister where they actually implicitly say that they're interested in joining aka and and uh and delta so it's just interesting to see the perception of those uh, those very prestigious black organizations on film the mm-hmm. way they're represented and there's always a different you can always tell when someone on staff is a member of those groups because there's more of a desire to show it in a favorable light and when there's someone who, you know, like didn't make the cut or like I'm being an asshole or, or didn't want to do it, you know, maybe they, they didn't, you know, they saw it as like cult like or, you know, overly group thinky and they just didn't think or they didn't think it was for them. Maybe they're like, you know, I can do community service without being in an organization. So I'm excited to revisit that. Also, I definitely want to get into those latter episodes when Whitley and Dwayne are head over heels in love. I hopefully anyone listening to this podcast has already watched the whole series. So you know how their relationship ends. They it's just one of the best love shows on TV. The way that like, you know, Whitley almost ends up with the guy who is perfect for her on paper. I think a lot of people go for that where they're like, this is the person who makes sense, who my parents approve of, but this is the person my heart wants. I love seeing black people in love and especially young black people. I feel like we deserve layered, exciting love stories like that. So, excuse me, <laughs> that is going to be a lot of fun to revisit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're, it's it's all right. Uh, I, I am excited. Um, what about like big cultural moments that the show touched on? Like, are, are there any of those moments that you sort of remember? It's been a while. I definitely remember, this is later, later, like definitely in the boys to men seasons, when, uh, when Freddie shows up with straightened hair, which it's a little problematic because the implication here is that she's like, she's decided she's going to go to law school. She decided mm-hmm. she's going to change the system from the inside. But in order to do that, she has that physical transformation of looking buttoned up. Um, but I just, I really enjoyed the storylines about Freddie's radicalism and like the things that she wants to change about the world. So storylines like that are a lot of fun. Or not a lot of fun, but like will be good to revisit. I mean, there were so many cultural. That's the great thing about this show is it wasn't like some after school special bullshit where I can go. Remember the episode about drugs? Remember the episode about this? It's like everything was about everything. 
so you learned lessons along the way over time instead of being like, hey, kids, here's why police brutality is wrong. Like, I appreciate a show that hammers home a message the whole way through instead of just layering it on thickly, which is why sometimes I love blackish, but sometimes I'm like, if y'all make one more episode where you talk directly to white people, like, I thought this was for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, can you Barris, please hire me for something? You own all of TV right now. But like, you know what I mean? Sometimes it, sometimes it feels like Kenya's like, hey, white people, here's a message for you about us and it's like why am i supposed to tune into this i already know you know so it's a very yeah, special I, episode of blossom <laughs> yes I, I you know i remember on like uh how on full house how they would play those like specific chords when danny would be like now nah, michelle some people don't have a household where they're loved and sometimes parents hit people and you hear ah and <laughs> like let you know <laughs> Let you know, get the get the tissues together. It's TGIF. Yes. yes, you would know it was a moment to be sad. So I like, it's hard to pinpoint it to so much distance from it, but I feel like that show taught me a lot. But it, it, it um, kind of reinforced things throughout the way, you know? So it'll be interesting to see. Okay. Um, are there any guest stars who uh, were a part of the different world universe that you, that you just, that sort of sticks out in your head? Oh, yeah, guest stars. Um, well, actually, I got ahead of myself. I don't want to, like, ruin this for your next episode. But Gladys Knight is, like, all over the next episode. I couldn't turn it off, so I just, like, watched you more in a row. And I was like, not Gladys Knight. And they have, like, a full-on five-minute musical thing that was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I love that a young Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, you know, becomes a starlet on the show. There's, oh, gosh, I think of other guest stars. I know there's plenty. There's plenty of I mean, guest stars. Who are your favorites? Um, it's hard. It's harder to remember this, but like everyone did this show. Like Candy Alexander does uh, as a character on the show later on. Um, there's, I mean, B- uh, Bumper Robinson was was on the show before mm-hmm. moving over to uh, whatever show he did uh, before moving over to like Living Single in the later series, later parts of that series. Have you seen the disrespect of Bumper Robinson online? Like, have you seen the little memes that are like, here's the light-skinned dude who, dude who did nothing for TV? I'm like, nothing. Nothing. He's Nothing. He was on every, you know what? He wasn't on the, like, big three networks for a while, but he was doing everything else. And also, he's a man from Cleveland, so he's in my heart forever. He played five different boyfriends across the sister sister universe like every six episode he was the different dude they met in a different situation <laughs> like I, they dated him on multiple episodes and his name kept changing <laughs> um that is that is crazy um hold on bumper robinson not bumper to bumper come on uh so yeah <laughs> the show does a great thing where there's a lot and i do mean a lot of different uh, musical guests like in Vogue were characters on the show. Um, Heavy D and the yes. Boys were characters on the show. Immature back when they're or in when they were their IMX phase, they were characters on the show. Uh, hold on, Living Single. I Hang love that. Cooper. I miss that air, and that's actually part of the reason why a lot of black sitcoms are missing or were missing from streaming up until like last September, where Netflix got it together. Yeah, but it's because these music company or these uh these record labels have this hold on the music and so they won't release the episodes and like every black sitcom 
like Moesha would have, God, every fourth or fifth episode, there'd be some different R&B singer showing up at the cafe to do a song or something. So the way to get around, but sometimes it's like these songs are half the storyline. So if you cut the song out and replace it with some unlicensed music, the episode just gets weird. Like, I don't know if you tried to rewatch Everybody Hates Chris, but it's awkward without the, the original music. It just like throws the whole thing off. It's just awkward. So I found it. Um, Bumper on Sister Sister played the bellboy Mike and Jesse over the over two over three years. Uh, he's currently on, okay. or he's currently on Black AF um, as mm-hmm. a character named Broadway. But he was on Blackish. Uh, he was on Roommates, Bones, The Game, CSI. He was on Eve. He dated every black woman who was on television between 1993 and 2015, it looks like. He was a hustler. And that was only a slight uh, a slight exaggeration. He played three characters in two seasons. Yeah. That's still quite a bit. Like, they depended on the audience to forget his face. And I was like, nope, he was just Tamara's boyfriend two episodes, and now he's the bellboy they don't know. Like, <laughs> I think there was also, what was his name? The dude with... Uh, God, he, uh, Wesley something. There's this actor, Wesley something, who was big in this time period, who um, was on every, I swear he was on a different role in the later series. I have to be, I don't know. But yeah, he was on a different role. I think he was, um, played opposite Jada for a few scenes. So God, I love Jada's character because she represents, like, I think she comes in and pops the privilege bubble of mm-hmm. Hillman a little bit. And she's like, what's it like for, people who are first gen and their family to go to college, people who have no example of this life to enter this upwardly mobile black space. What is it like to be here in this space? It was, it was cool to see that character. I remember when she got in trouble for having the hot plate and making and selling fish dinners, which was like- Aren't you like, you, like that feels so real and so wild. You're just like, shh, white people can see us. Midwestern was so hilarious because, like I said, it's not an HBCU, but they do have like a, a fairly big black population, and the school felt very segregated. Where so is sometimes it? it? It's in Wichita Falls. It's halfway between um, Dallas and Oklahoma, okay. and it's like a two-hour drive. And it, it, it's it's weird because the black population of Midwestern is basically three whole groups: Africans, and when I say Africans, like uh, like people who immigrated to go to school specifically from Africa, they mm-hmm. are just like fresh into the into America for college. Caribbeans, same thing. Caribbean American immigrants, um, and then a like hood people from Fort Worth stop six. Like that was the mixture. So it was like, God, like a really weird interaction that would have, like a, a big microaggression is like if you were smart and quiet then your white professors would assume you were Caribbean all semester. And then when you finally ask a question, they'd be like, I didn't know you were American. <laughs> so it was like, it was such a, like a, a cringy, cringy interaction that would happen all the time. Um, but God, shit was live. The black people on campus were so fun and they were always in the student center. I remember one time this white guy wrote a letter to the school paper complaining about how there's always BET playing too loudly and the black people in the student center have got to calm down. And it was like, so there was like talk of building a black student center. Like it was a very, it was it, it was one of the first times in my life that I was very aware that there were white people who didn't know how to be around black people. Cause I grew up in a school that was very diverse and like 
like, you know, there were issues from time to time, but you never knew anyone who literally had, like, these kids who were from Wichita Falls, like these white kids that grew up in that town, mm-hmm. were suddenly in college around people they had never seen and were just, it, it was wild. Like, I didn't know, you know, I grew up around a bunch of people who would call themselves like, oh, you know, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. And those people were just like, we got to build walls. Like, they were... I got to learn how a lot of the country thinks and um, every I'm, every now and then I still get into these interactions with them where I say something about Trump and then they come out the woodwork and I'm like, when did I add you as a friend? And then I remember like I briefly ran for homecoming queen. So I'm just friends with all these random racist people. I don't even remember. <laughs> I luckily, have, I uh, when I started comedy, I moved my Facebook from my, co- from my college Facebook to like a brand new one and I started that like almost 10 years ago now and it's uh, I had a login in my college Facebook the other day and I was like 200 friends what what did I lose a thousand did I lose 3200 people what happened oh this isn't the right profile first of all secondly what were you doing in 2006 Dwayne maybe get our shit together we were not a good person (laughs) okay you probably had ripped jeans a little you know like it was a different it was a different world we were wearing different things we're, oh yeah no uh it's like when you see britney and justin and the in the denim and the denim matching outfits you're just like oh my god that was so long ago then you look up the timeline you're like oh my god that was not that long ago i was i was a full ass person i like the like what's funny though is i feel like i've gotten like I've gone, TikTok has convinced me that early 2000s shit isn't as ugly as I think it is. And I'm like, yeah, cause I'm looking at a young hot person wearing it. I am not about to put on a Von Dutch hat and embarrass myself. Like I need to know who I am. Like the, old, <laughs> the, worst, the worst thing you can do as a millennial on TikTok is try to relive trends you already survived. Like, no, you can't do it. You can't. Oh, oh you're not ready for uh, low rise flare leg jeans to come back? Absolutely not. Neither is my bottom. My bottom stomach is not ready for low rise jeans to come back. I need to tuck my shit into my pants. That's where I'm at in life. I am a bottom tummy tucker. Absolutely not. Nope. I've, I barely wear anything with a zip. No. I'm I've not doing been very it. comfortable with stretchy jeans. Um, oh, yeah. Turns out jeans with, with just a little bit of stretch to them. You're like, oh, okay. This is. <laughs> This is this is called, I can I can do act outs on stage. I can I can drive six hours in these. <laughs> do you ever like when you get new clothes? Do you like lightweight try some stage poses in them, like in the dressing room, to like see how this would feel? <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I've stood up and I was like, okay, how do, how do I look in this pose? Oh, um, I we did a thing at um, one of the clubs here in Cleveland and. Um, they didn't let anyone in, but they were filming it. And one of the angles they hit me at, I was like, "That I picked that sweater because that angle doesn't exist from an audience point of view. But you hit me from the side, and that's not how I approved my look to go out. What are we doing? Um, that sweater was hiding a lot of pandemic weight. What are we? <laughs> and you just said, no. These comedy photographers, God bless them. It's like they exist to take us down a peg. Because it's just like, who told you to take a picture of me during the craziest part of this joke from behind, underneath, where this is just like, they make you figure out things that you didn't even know existed exist is bad. I think because their, their whole thing is they want that raw emotion, not that not that polished thing. And you're just like, hey, um, I'm trying to sell the polish and people get the <laughs> raw emotion. Yeah. Faces that look better moving. They're not meant to be captured still. Like, you're not supposed to. I don't know. I'm amazed. I'm amazed by what people are able to capture of me. I think I like about one at one of every hundred photos of me taken on stage. I'm like, this does not make me ashamed. 
<laughs> like everything else, I'm like, no. All right, uh, we're coming up on around the end of this. Do you have any stray thoughts on uh, on the series or anything? Um, yeah, I I will say rewatching it as a feminist, I am a little bit like. It's not always a Bindelchev test type of show. The women tend to mostly talk about the men. The men get funnier storylines, like you know, you know Ron and uh, Ron and Dwayne starting a business. That was a, a storyline that didn't hinge around what the women were doing, so it was fun. Um, so it is a little bit. It's not as feminist as a show as I would have liked it to be, but that's because I'm watching it with a 2020 lens. Of course, it's not going to be. That's not how we were thinking. Um, it's you're making me so aware of the physicality and the choreography around things that you don't think of as choreography. So mm. it's cool to watch a show directed by a dancer and to think about the way people move. Um, also, I just love Mr. Gaines. So I got ahead of myself and I watched an episode that had Mr. Gaines on there talking crazy to Sinbad, but loving Jaleesa. And I was just like, I love that dynamic. You know, everybody loves just like a, just the old man with some old man wisdom. So his relationship just... with Kimberly Reese throughout the series, just, and it's so authentic as it's like you can tell that he's rooting for her to, to make it he's rooting for her to be a doctor that is a mm -hmm. doctor he's adopted to his family whenever he says her name it's not kim it's kimberly reese soon to be dr kimberly reese and he's like go yes. study dr reese the way he breathes life into her and that's the thing that like my mother is very she's like you you breathe life into things you got to speak blessings not cursings mm -hmm. cursings curses but she says cursings you know and that is something that is so bred into black culture is this idea that like each of us we work with one another we want to see each other build up and you feel that and i love how like this is one of the few shows about college that doesn't just focus so much on youth like, because college isn't just about being young. It's about learning. It's about a place to grow and become the person you want to be. And you don't have to be 18 to be doing that. You can be 30 and be restarting or 50 and be learning something. And, you know, I, I know Mr. Bill Cosby, you know, he's a bad guy. But the, the thing that this show did is I think it inspired a lot of Black Americans who were first-gen college students to think college is a place I want to be. It's a place where I'll grow. It's something I will learn something and become a different person. Like, I think there are a lot of people who are motivated to go to college because of what they saw on the show. So it was groundbreaking for the time. And it's just, it's, I'm really glad I'm revisiting it. It, it put me in a good headspace. I liked it a lot. All right. I'm glad. I can't wait to have you back later on in the series. Uh, tell everyone where, tell everyone where they can find you online. Okay, I'm on all the things at Jasmine Ellis Comedy. That's J-A-S-M-I-N-E. I, -I, -E. I spell my name with an E. Then Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I make lots of silly videos on there. And on YouTube at Jasmine Ellis Comedy. I also have a podcast called Rhythm and Bay. It is a musical playlist show where comedians tell me about the songs that shape their story, the songs that tell who they are. So look up Rhythm and Bay. It's spelled B-A-E, like the term of endearment. And then I also have a brand new comedy special. It is a clean comedy special on dry bar comedy. So it's 25 minutes. It's free to watch. And it's a really fun set that I filmed in Provo, Utah. So it's super clean. And then if you want to see me be raunchy as hell, I have an album called Trash Baby. And that is a completely different thing. So I'm a woman of versatility. I'm a grown woman. Sometimes I talk about fucking. Sometimes I talk about Disney World. It's funny regardless. Okay. Look up Jasmine Ellis Comedy and I'll see you guys on the internet. Thank you so much, Jasmine. All right. Thank you, Dwayne. This is so fun. Thank you for having me. I'm literally just going to keep watching and I'll... I'll, I'll 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Different Podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends all about this podcast. Uh, If you want to join us on social media to keep up with the latest uh, information, episodes, bonuses, and just all kinds of random crap, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Diff World Podcast. That's D-I-F-W-O-R-L-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.